Welcome to Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. I'm your host, James Minter, director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, and joining me today is my colleague, Dr. Michael Langemeyer, who's the associate director of the center. We're going to review the results from the March uh, Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer Survey of farmers from across the nation. Each month, we survey 400 farmers across the U.S. to learn more about their perspectives on the ag economy. This month's Ag Barometer Survey was conducted from the 13th through the 17th of March. And, you know, Michael, it was kind of interesting that 13th through the 17th of March was a time frame when uh, disruption was taking place in the U.S. banking sector. And so there were a couple of things going on uh, right in the midst of our data collection process, which might have had some impact. The barometer was down this month uh, to a reading of 117. That's down about eight points compared to last month. It was 125 uh, a month ago. Uh, 113 a, a year ago, and of course, go back two years, and it was 177. And I guess thinking about it, Michael, you know, what do you think the driver was in that eight-point drop that we saw? Well, certainly the the banking the, the banking problems with that that we saw during that time frame had an impact. You can see that on the open-ended question uh, where we asked people uh, to to tell us their thoughts. But also, as you as you indicated in the report, uh, prices were down. Uh, corn and soybean prices were down from mid-February to mid-March. That certainly had an impact on on the economy barometer index. Yeah, I think the overwhelming impact was really the negative impact of declining prices, particularly when you look at not only old crop, but also new crop prices were down um, for corn, soybeans, wheat. Uh, and that makes a big chunk of the people that we talk to every month in our, in our monthly surveys. So I think that was the biggest driver. But we did pick up some comments about the banking crisis, and that probably had at least a little bit of impact, certainly for some of those respondents. How much is really difficult to gauge? Because we didn't have a question included on the survey that focused on that because news was breaking just as we were conducting the actual survey. The current condition index was down eight points compared to a month earlier. Uh, That leaves it a little bit higher than it was a year ago, I think 11% higher than a year ago. Future expectation index was down eight points compared to last month, and really no change compared to a year ago. Um, So to me, Michael, I guess when I look at the drop in the current conditions, that clearly is a function of the decline in prices, I think. Um, the future expectations could be tied to new crop futures declining, but that is probably where, if if there were some issues about the banking crisis, I think they would probably be about the future. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you on, on that. But but uh, also the the December futures for corn and November futures for soybeans for the new crop, they were those prices were down a little bit uh, from the previous month. Yeah, I think a little bit understates it a little. <laughs> <laughs> probably. We probably shouldn't chuckle about that, but it, it was significant when you look at the charts. So the Farm Financial Performance Index was unchanged at 86. And given what we just talked about with those first two indices, this is a little bit surprising. I guess working through the data and, and the computations, uh, I would have guessed the farm financial performance would have at least drifted lower. So it's kind of interesting that it held steady at 86. And to put that in perspective, you know, that's not too much different from what it was, for example, late last summer, I think, in August, uh, no, actually, October, I guess it was, in the fall, it was at 86. So it's not indicating that the upcoming year is going to be terrible, 
but it's certainly not indicating it's going to be a banner year. And one of the things that's really interesting to me is, is the 86 for, for March of this year uh, is very similar to what we saw in March of last year. And, and, and 2022 turned out to be a pretty good year. And so, and so this index could jump around a little bit depending on acreage, depending on, on, on prices and, and a lot of other factors. Yeah, we really just had one month when it was really positive, and that was back in December. Uh, and in December, we were asking people to compare what they thought was 22 results versus 21 results. And at year end, I think people recognized how good of a year 22 was. And now we've kind of turned the corner, and we're continuing to ask people about 23 compared to 22. And they're telling it's going to be weaker than 22. That's their expectation, but they're not expecting it to be terrible. At least that would be my interpretation so far. Um, we continue to ask a question about what are people's biggest concerns for your farming operation in the upcoming year. And there's been a little bit of a pattern reversal here, Michael. Uh, the number one concern is still higher input cost. But this month, only 34% of the people in the survey chose that as their top concern. That's been declining month after month. I think going back to uh, December, it was at 45% chose that. If you go all the way back to August, it was 53%. So that's been a significant change. And at the same time, the percentage choosing rising interest rates as a top concern has been rising. Again, you go back to last summer in August, I think only 14% of the people in the survey chose that. This month, it was up to 25%. That's only a one-point move compared to last month, so no significant difference there. But it has been trending up now for several months in a row. And so uh, we're really kind of looking at a bit of a change there in terms of people's perspective, in terms of what they're worried about. Yes, and input costs. Uh, you look at you look at a year ago. It seemed like all inputs were increasing in, in cost. This year, it's not all of them. You know, certainly, for example, uh, fertilizer costs are down uh, compared to what they were last fall and what they were last year. And so, you've got some input costs are actually declining. You've got other things like interest costs, which is related to our rising interest rates, that are, that are much higher than what they were a year ago. And so, it's more of a mixed bag this year uh, when you look at the the, the input costs uh, compared to last year. Yeah. And, and and we are seeing more people talk about what we would characterize as maybe a traditional concern in agriculture, and that is lower crop and livestock prices. This month, it was the same as met last month, but 18% chose that. Um, you know, you go back to last summer, uh, depending on the month you choose, we had between 8 and 11% of the people in the survey saying that was their top concern. So people are starting to worry about a cost price squeeze, but they're worried about it maybe a little bit more with respect to output prices and maybe just a little bit less than input prices, the, at least what compared to what they were thinking a few months ago, right? Yes. So the Farm Capital Investment Index came in virtually unchanged compared to a month ago. It was at 42 uh, this month. That compares to 43 last month. It is six points higher than it was a year ago when the index was at 36. But that still leaves the index down a little over 50% compared to what it was this time last year. So still a pretty weak farm capital investment index. And when we look at the follow-up question where we ask people who say it's a bad time to make large investments, you know, what are they thinking? What's their primary reason? Um, that really was kind of a switch this month. And so if you look at the percentage of people telling us that it's because of the increase in prices for farm machinery and new construction, that's been the number one choice ever since we started asking this question last July. But this month, for the first time, the percentage of people saying rising interest rates is their number one reason uh, actually eclipsed 
that uh, high prices for farm machinery and new construction. This month, 34% of the people chose rising interest rates, and just 32% chose increase in prices for farm machinery and new construction. So, Michael, um, I guess in a way we've kind of wondered when this would switch, and it finally hit this month. Yeah, this is, this actually makes sense. I think that the increases in prices is moderated, at least at least to some degree, whereas interest rates have climbed over 4% uh, in one year. And so this trend's probably going to continue. Yeah, I think on the increase in prices, it's not the prices have come down, but people have gotten acclimated to the fact that high prices are quite high. I, I don't think we've seen any real weakness in, in prices for farm machinery and new construction yet. Uh, maybe a little bit on the construction side, depending on where you're at, but not so much on the farm machinery side. But people are c- clearly, we're, we're picking this up now in several different places in the survey. People are becoming more worried about what's going on with interest rates. And of course, that feeds back into farmland. The short-term farmland value expectation index was down six points this month to a reading of 113 compared to 119 last month. Uh, 145 a year ago and 148 two years ago. So if you look at it, the index is still above 100. So that means more people expect values to go up than expect it to go down. That's really what that index is telling us. But it is definitely a different perspective than what people had before. In fact, if you look at the short-term index, it's down about 22% compared to a year ago. So there's been a change in sentiment on that short-term index. The long-term index was actually up a little bit this month, up five points compared to last month. Last month was 137, this month 142. That's still a little bit below where it was this time last year. This time last year was at 146. And two years ago, that index was at 157. But a little bit like the the other index, we're seeing a rise in the percentage of people who expect to see farmland values actually decline. When we asked the 12-month question, 20% of the people in this month's survey, one out of five, said that they expect to see lower farmland values a year from now. When we asked the same question this time last year, it was only 7% of the people in the survey. And when you do that same thing, looking at, looking at farmland values uh, five years in the future, the percentage of people who expect to see a decline there has been rising. It's not as sharp. Uh, is what we saw in the 12-month survey, which is no big surprise, but still it's rising. This month it was at 17%. A year ago it was at 13%. Two years ago that was at 7%. So we're picking up a change in sentiment. It's not enough to say that people have become negative on farmland values, but they are definitely less confident of further increases. What's your take on that, Michael? I think that's definitely the case. But we have to we have to qualify that by 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 really saying that the increases in 21 and 22 were really quite remarkable. Uh, you know, looking at looking at historical increases, uh, historical increases, and so and so. Really, what that tells me is they expect land values to stay relatively high uh, compared to where they have been uh, the last 15 to 20 years and and not come back down that's just another way of saying we're not we're not seeing uh, the pessimism outweigh the optimism yeah that's a good point but it it's a it's a change in sentiment a change in the feel I guess is one way to think about it and I've had some conversations with auctioneers and they have told me that they've actually detected a little bit of a change in the feel at some of their auctions so um, people are not quite as willing to bid um, 
we're still seeing some record prices, so I don't want to get too negative on this, but we're not seeing the level of enthusiasm maybe at some of these sales that perhaps we were seeing earlier. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, it does. And and and, and I still think part of what we're part of what we're seeing here, particularly short term, is these higher interest rates. I mean, yeah, higher interest rates don't translate into to necessarily substantially higher capitalization rate, but it has to have an impact on uh, the way people think about uh, think about the value of land. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see a year from now what that looks like, because I still think we've got a lot of cash floating around out there that's looking for a home. And so uh, that's, uh, that's probably going to continue for a little while longer. So, Michael, we uh, decided to ask some questions this month about what's going on in, with respect to the energy using uh, ag commodities, namely corn for, and soybeans, for uh, uh, energy production. And we asked a couple different questions. We asked people about their expectations for the ethanol industry in the next five years. And we asked the same thing about what they thought was going to take place with renewable diesel. And we didn't really give people any additional information. We just kind of asked them what their, what their perspective was. And so the first question was, do you think the U.S. ethanol industry will be larger, smaller, about the same five years from now? And the majority, 55%, said about the same. 25% said they thought it would be larger, and 20% said smaller. You could probably characterize that as a flip a coin kind of a response. Do you agree with that, Michael? Yes, and and, and it's it's kind of a head scratcher to uh, to think about what people were thinking when they said it was going to be larger. Uh, you know, maybe that's a 15% blend or, or something like that. But uh, that surprised me a little bit that there was 25% uh, said the industry is going to be larger. Yeah, I think that would be my take, Michael. If you're going to expect to see the industry grow in terms of the number of bushels of corn we pump through ethanol plants, it would probably have to come about because we make a transition to the 15% uh, blend as opposed to the, the lower percentage blend that we've been operating under mo most of the time. So the exact same question, except this time we substituted U.S. renewable diesel industry. So do you think the U.S. renewable diesel industry, which utilizes soybean oil, will be larger, smaller, or about the same five years from now? And we did get a little different response here. 45% um, said about the same. 46% said larger. So clearly more ex of an expectation that this industry is going to grow over the next five years. And then we followed up and, and asked what price impact they thought this would have on soybean prices. So the way the question read was, in the next five years, what impact do you expect the renewable diesel industry to have on soybean prices per bushel? And this was interesting. We got a pretty wide range of responses. Um, the most common response was a price increase of up to 50 cents a bushel, so a fairly conservative uh, estimate. 28% said they thought prices might increase for soybeans by 50 cents up to a dollar. And then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, there's a small number of people who think this is going to have a really big impact. 5% uh, said an increase over $2 a bushel. I think 3% said an increase from one $150 to $2. And, uh, 13% said from a dollar up to a dollar fifty. So if you take those last three categories, um, you've got about 21% of the people in the survey who said that they think the price is going to go up by more than a dollar a bushel 
because of the impact of renewable diesel in the next few years. Yeah, this is a this is a really interesting set of questions, and I'm I'm so glad that we asked these. And and when you start looking at that 20 percent uh, that said a dollar or more, that's a, that would be a major change in the soybean to corn ratio, and and really would have an impact on acreage uh, when you're talking that large of increase. Yeah, and you think about it from a uh, take a national yield number and and plug that in on a per acre basis. That's you know over fifty dollars an acre. So it really has some impact, and that's kind of what we were trying to get at w- with respect to you know what what kind of impact do people think this is going to have on prices, and what are they thinking about when they make decisions with respect to you know buying land, renting land, investing in machinery, investing in grain storage, et cetera, uh, investing in things like drainage, uh, uh, irrigation, et cetera. Just trying to get a handle on that, and it's it's clear that. Uh, there's a small number of people, roughly one out of five, who think this is going to be a pretty big increase, and then a much larger group who think it's going to be it's have a positive impact, but but not a really not a huge impact. So um, we'll think about some more ways to to learn more about this in terms of what people are thinking going forward. But this will be something we we'll kind of want to track over time because the impact at this point is still pretty unclear. It's just unclear exactly how large this industry might become. But there are some. Some indications out there, and certainly some forecasts, that suggest it could become much, much bigger than it is today, and that obviously would have an impact. Well, that wraps up our discussion for this month's report. You can get the full report on the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer website, which is purdue.edu slash agbarometer. Um, and you can also uh, obviously get the charts that we were referring to when we were uh, doing this podcast. Those are available on our website, Purdue uh, Commercial Agcast. So at purdue.edu slash commercial ag, just look at the podcast. And right along with the actual episode, you'll find a spot where you can download the slides and look at the charts. And, of course, we keep a chart library on the Ag Barometer website as well. So on behalf of my colleague, Dr. Michael Langemeyer uh, and the Center for Commercial Agriculture, thanks for joining us. I'm Jim Mintert. 